forever. Dog. They write, they talk, and talk about what they write. Tune in tonight, or whenever the time is right. It's the Writer's Panel with Ben Blacker, and it's starting now. Oh, yeah. Uh, we're starting it right now. I'm going to ask you to go around the table and introduce yourselves so the listener knows what your voice sounds like, starting with you, Christine. I'm Christine Chambers. And tell us some of the things you have worked on. Where have people seen your name on their television? Um, well, I started on The Sopranos, but I was an assistant, so mm-hmm. nobody knew who I was then. Um, and then I worked from the beginning to the end of Boardwalk Empire. Mm-hmm. Uh, from there, I wrote a graphic novel series that no one's ever heard of. What is it? It hasn't ever come out. So <laughs> that's why no one would Fair. have heard of it. Um, from there, I worked on a show called Iron Fist, mm-hmm. uh, only season one. Then um, I left and I did a mini room for a Cinemax show called Warrior. Mm-hmm. And uh, now I'm on Riverdale. All right. Mm-hmm. Well, we're done. Yeah. We have your whole career. Yeah, that's it. Thanks. Thanks Bye. for being here. Bye. <laughs> Kevin. Uh, hey, I'm Kevin Avery. Um, I just want to shout out Christine's ring game is strong, if, if the, the listeners can't tell. But Take a picture. It's very cool. It's, uh, yeah, I'll make sure to get a picture and uh, put it on the wherever you guys put it. Uh, but hi. Yeah, I uh, started on a show called Totally Bias with W. Kamau Bell. And uh, after that, went to, um, I was on Last Week Tonight with John Oliver, wrote there for a while. Um, and uh, the Jim Jeffrey show also uh, wrote there and uh, was the head writer on a show called ne- The New Negroes, which will be out in, uh, in, I think, April of this year. Why do I know that show? So, Whose well, show Because is it's a live show. Baron Vaughn oh, and Open yeah, Mike yeah. Eagle. I know Baron. I know both and, those guys. Yeah. yeah. So, um, yeah, that should be a, a fun show. Okay. It was a very small room, so it was just like, you know, um, just like a handful of us just kind of. Yeah goofing off having fun that's great i can't yeah. wait for the show that should be really cool yeah. anyway <laughs> lauren hi. hi thank you for being patient of course um hi i'm lauren bacellis um i started my career um as the hollywood assistant tumbler and i i was working at caa mm-hmm. um as an assistant and i started blogging on the side and we can go into more detail about that in a second but um i ended up selling a pilot off of that so that's sort of how i oh, broke into writing nice. um i sold the pilot to cbs with fred savage attached to produce wow. um and since then i've i've sold some more pilots i've uh staffed on four shows so i was on a nickelodeon show mm-hmm. to start my career it was called The Haunted Hathaways. Very exciting. Supernatural element mixed with comedy. Um, and then I went on two YouTube shows, actually. So I was in the digital space, two of their originals. Um, and then most recently, I was on a Netflix show called Club de Cuervos on the fourth season. And let's talk about We were talking about that a little bit before the microphones started rolling. But yes. tell the folks about that show because it's an interesting way that the show is put together. Yes. So the show, um, it takes place in Mexico and it is in Spanish. So this is Netflix International. That's like the branch of Netflix that it is. And you're, of course, fluent in Spanish. I am not fluent in <laughs> Spanish. Um, I wish. I did take high school level Spanish, so I've got the basics down sort of not really um but so you know i went on this interview and my agent was telling me yeah yeah the show's in spanish there's subtitles that we can watch in english and i I was just like do they know that i don't speak spanish because do i need to like go pretend like i speak (laughs) spanish to get this job because i will i will go brush up on my spanish um and they were like no no it's okay uh you know the writer's room's in english it's a lot of american writers um and so i was like oh thank god okay so i went on the interview and this was for the fourth and final season of Club de Cuervos it's actually a very very big show in Mexico (laughs) it's sort of like their house of cards Um, so yeah I was very excited and I got the job and I was the uh, only female actually on the staff this season how big was the staff um, let's see. I think there were about six, seven of us in the room at a time. Mm-hmm. So it was a smaller staff, um, but or midsize, I guess. Yeah. Um, but That's it was about average for those shows. I think. Yeah, it was lovely because one of the one of the fem- one of the 
main characters is female. Mm -hmm. So it was nice that uh, Netflix encouraged them to hire a woman and (laughs) come on board and be like, hey, like maybe she shouldn't, uh, you know, be okay with her husband cheating on her, you know, like things like that. Maybe she has agency of her own. Exactly, exactly. But the guys were wonderful and they they let me sort of uh, take the reins on her and Hmm. uh, it was was great. Was it, I mean, clearly you sort of, you were happy to do that, it seems like, and, and felt like you ought to do that. But did it also feel like you have to write for the female character? At times, I felt very protective. I mean, I think on any show, I always feel protective of female characters, just being a woman. And mostly the shows I've been on, except one, you know, you, you don't have as many female writers. So, um, yeah, I feel like I did have to protect her in certain ways mm-hmm. and write for her and make sure that, you know, I always say just write a woman like a man. Like, it shouldn't be, have to be a specific type of thing. Like, just write it the way you would write a man if you're a guy, right. you know. Women are that the same. That should be the very least yeah. you do. <laughs> yeah, exactly. It's like, you don't need to write it differently. We're all we're all the same. We're all humans, yeah. you know. yeah. yeah. Interesting. Um, And were there uh, Spanish speakers in the room? There were, yeah. So the creator and uh, showrunner, I guess, was, uh, he was Mexican Mm -hmm. and Mexican Jewish, of course. Um, And then. (laughs) (laughs) If that's not what the show is about, then I'm out. (laughs) It's actually not. It's actually not. But that's a great show idea. (laughs) Um, And then we had one other uh, Mexican guy in the room and then everyone else was American. Yeah, and was there the same expectation that they would sort of, you know, like be the voice of these people in the way that you were expected to be the voice of the female character? Yeah, I think so. You know, we often said, "Hey, like, because we don't know Mexican culture as much as you know." So we relied on, um, especially this guy Marcos, who was um, one of our writers, uh, just asking him the basic questions, like, "Hey, in Mexico, Mm -hmm. does blank happen?" Mm -hmm. And relying on him in that way, and he would tell us stories of things that, like, where our cultures were different. Mm -hmm. Um, And so that was really interesting. And actually, we um, for the first, I think, two and a half, three weeks of the writer's room, they took us to Mexico and we got to be there and sort of immerse ourselves in the culture Mm -hmm. and get a feel for what we were writing about. Oh, that's great. Yeah. Um, Yeah, I mean, it seems like, and and this comes up again and again over the years, that like the specificity is important, right? Specificity can be universal in telling these stories. Um, And I don't want to get, you know, too, too deep into this, but I'm curious about like... For you, for you all, when you come into a room, do you feel like there's an expectation on you to have a certain kind of voice, to write for a certain kind of person, character, whatever? Um, I mean, Kevin, you've written on these basically black comedy shows other than uh, Last Week Tonight, right? Mm-hmm. Well, uh, and as much as they are like anyone, they're for anyone. Yeah. You know, is there the expectation that you are the black comedy guy? Yeah, it's fun. It's like it's it's been sort of a split. I mean, like, yeah, totally biased. I was writing for W. Kamal Bell, you know, black guy and and my writing partner for a very long time. So I just knew his voice Mm -hmm. anyway. Um, But then like shows like Best Week Ever and and Last Week Tonight, um, it was just with Best Week. You were writing for a different voice every Every time. Um, did you work on the uh, version that was all the talking heads or did you work on the Paul F version? No, there was a version after Paul's. What? Where I know. They didn't just shut it down. It was the last. <laughs> oh, man. they. It was the last version. And uh, they. I was there for, I think, two months or something like that. And um, so I in the middle of that, I got the call to go uh, right on last week tonight. Mm-hmm. And so I had just left and then i think by april or may they had i think they told them that they were going to renew the show and then they canceled it and so every they just it was it was it was a rough time and i felt <laughs> sure. bad because i had just been like bye everybody right. <laughs> and uh and yeah i even went to like sort of the rap party and you know, everyone just had lost their job. And I was, yeah. I, you know, I was like, things are great, you know, with a cocktail in hand. And I remember I was eating everybody's cake pops. Um, but, uh, but I feel like, you know, I don't feel like everyone looked at me. I don't think even think they thought about it on mm-hmm. uh, last week tonight, except 
Um, and even really on Jim Jeffries, uh, you know, yeah. there there uh, was another black writer in the room with me too. So I never felt that pressure, except um, I remember when I think Ferguson. I think it was when Ferguson happened, and we were um, we were going to do a piece on it, and I brought up something in a in a meeting when we were just talking about it, and John really liked that perspective and he wanted me to work on that piece mm -hmm. but i was working on something else and i hadn't wrapped it up and he was like so who wants to do the ferguson thing and i was like well, i'm still working on this thing about <laughs> you know diane feinstein and the cia or whatever <laughs> and i do remember this look in his eyes that was just like kind of glassy disappointment like please man we really <laughs> and I was like i'll jump on it if you want you know so there were certain stories that i felt yeah. that i should work on and and lend my perspective yeah. to and i did that when i could but i don't th I, it never was that thing like in grade school when uh someone brings up martin luther king and the whole class turns and looks at you like <laughs> tell us more black fella you know, so well there is it's a weird balance and i feel like i've talked to showrunners about this over the years of like you bring in a staff because you want different perspectives, yes. mm -hmm. right? You, if otherwise you just make the whole show yourself, mm -hmm. and you want everyone to have their voice on episodes, on whatever it is, on the pieces. Um, but you don't want to expect that the woman is only going to write a woman character, the black guy is only going to write a black character, whatever it is. Yeah. Mm -hmm. um, Christine, what has been your experience in this regard? I mean, you were on on um, Boardwalk Empire, uh, yeah, and I, I I've been on mostly, I guess. The shows that that are for a male audience, yeah, um, and it's a really interesting question because it's changing mm. every day and every job. And the question I always ask myself from the beginning of my life till now is like, how am I supposed to be? Who am I supposed to be? Um, yeah. And you feel because I, like Lauren, have been the the only female in the room many many times. Um, and you wonder, should I be the authority on all female right. characters here, uh, mm -hmm. or should, or is that annoying? And, and I mean, it's it's it, I, I'm yeah. constantly, you know, straddling this weird uh, line. Um, and I also find that writing characters that are very different from myself challenges me. Mm -hmm. So on on Boardwalk, my favorite character to write was Al Capone, um, just because it was <laughs> it was so different. <laughs> I'm actually a murderer and uh, crime lord. But that um, is like this is, we're three of us at least mm -hmm. are not actors. Mm -hmm. uh, we don't like you. You're a perform performer as well as a writer, yeah. Kevin. Um, but like we become writers because we're not good actors and we want to become other people. And when we do these things, except right? for Kevin, uh, he's a very good actor. Uh, for yourself, <laughs> uh, I don't know what you're trying to put out. <laughs> But, like, that's our way of, like, it takes deep empathy. It, it means becoming someone else. Yeah, you know? absolutely. Mm -hmm. um, yeah, and I, I think representation is is hugely important. But um, I also think I don't know everything there is to know of about course. being a woman because I'm, I'm, I'm only me. You're just this woman. <laughs> I, yeah. Um, and, you know, it also depends on, on what the room is like. I mean, yeah. and who, who is the main character? That's, that's very important hmm. to keep in mind because... Because, you know, if you're writing for a gangster show, it has to be a gangster show and it has to be the lead has to be the lead. Mm -hmm. um, and if you fight that, then you're going to put your job at risk. Sure. That makes a lot of sense. So how was let's talk about Boardwalk. I mean, you were coming off of assistant track on Sopranos, mm -hmm. right? And and Terry worked on Sopranos. Is that sort of how you came to Boardwalk? Yes. And then he got a development deal yeah. after that. And uh, I we worked on a bunch of projects. Mm -hmm. Wolf of Wall Street was was one yeah. of them. And uh, Boardwalk was, was one of them. And once Scorsese attached himself, it was like overnight. I got a call. There was like, set up a production office. <laughs> okay. <laughs> how do you do that? Yeah. Um, was it were you clear to the decision makers, whether it was it was Terry, whether it was other producers that you wanted to write? That's a very good question. Um, I so I was his, his personal assistant for a very long time, mm -hmm. which meant that I was the person that got 
all of the scripts to do coverage on because he didn't have time to read all of these scripts. And I mean, like for staffing. Yes. And, and, and Terrence is, he's very generous and very kind and, and such a a great mentor. He would read anyone's script. So Mm. I, I would have like piles of them. And on, you know, a Friday night when those pages aren't turning, you, you learn very quickly what (laughs) makes a good script and what makes a bad Mm -hmm. script. Um, But in many years, of this, I I found myself frightened to ever show him anything that I wrote because I didn't want to be that person. Um, especially because I had seen it in action, like a you know a, a young person would just come up to him with with no uh, feelings whatsoever about whether this was a good idea. They'd just be like, "Hey, can you read my script?" Um, and I, I wow. was just like, "Wow, that takes balls!" And I don't want to I don't want to be that person. Yeah. To the point where. Uh, Terrence literally had to beg me to read something because he hinted that he wanted to hire me. He was like, you know this show better than anyone, but I can't hire you unless I know you can write. And (laughs) I know you've secretly been writing these scripts. You have to show me something. Um, So you had been writing your own stuff. Yes. Was he the first person you showed the script to? Well, so... I didn't want to show him any of the scripts I had because everything I had written was was contemporary. So it was all contemporary with female leads, and this was a period gangster drama. So my number one fear was like I had a great job. Everybody loved me. I was an associate <laughs> producer, and I was like, "Do I really want to give this up? I don't even know if I could write this show." Sure. So I gave myself a test and wrote a bottle episode. In the span of two weekends where I just oh went from gosh. Friday to Whoa. Sunday writing. Good for you. And I gave him uh, that, and that's how I got wow. hired. Wow. Yeah. That's wild. Oh yeah. That's really funny. And it was it was really great for me because I, I remember finishing and just smiling to myself and being like, I can do this. I can, oh, that's d- great. I can do this. So even yeah, on doing it, mm-hmm. you, you knew, like you didn't have those doubt, those yeah, same doubts. Exactly. That's great. Wait, you wrote it, and then as it was done, and you're like, Oh, this shit is like yeah. You like were, I, ju- I just did this, and so I don't feel like yeah. it's complete shit. So that's and that's a rare healthy. feeling. Yeah, <laughs> I mean, because yeah. I feel like I was having a conversation with someone recently about how you write something and immediately you go, oh no, I think this is garbage. Like <laughs> right. you know, whatever it is, there's there is a moment that you you kind of panic like did i just write a bunch of trash and give it to somebody or is this going to be okay you know at least when it's your own stuff yeah. i mean for work you just get used to sort right. of turning out the material but that's uh, yeah that's very healthy but that's to- funny i mean a friend a writer friend of mine recently put this on facebook that he got these just pages and pages of terrible notes um, mm-hmm. and and he's been in this business for like 25 years and his main takeaway, his main point of this was like, when you're sitting down to write something of your own, not mm-hmm. not for someone else's show, mm-hmm. you have to think that the version you're writing is the best version, is the perfect yeah. thing, mm-hmm. right? Otherwise, you could never do it. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, and whether that's the first draft or the fifth draft, you know, I think we know we know as writers that we're going to rewrite ourselves. But when you get to that fifth draft and you know that you've worked on the stuff that you know needs work, you have to think that it's perfect. Otherwise, you couldn't wake up the next morning and write another script. Yeah. Yeah. So how do you balance that? Like, we've all written pilots. We've all written our own stuff. We've written specs, whatever. How do you balance that doubt with confidence? Um, you've written seven pilots now. Yeah. Tell yeah. us about it. Um, it's interesting. So I just wrote one for NBC. They bought one of my pitches. And this process was really wonderful. And not all development processes yeah. are wonderful, as we all know. Um, but what was great about this is my producers were wonderful. It was Milo Ventimiglia's company um, and 20th Century Fox. Um, and I was the only writer. I didn't have a supervisor. Mm-hmm. This was like one of the first times I didn't really have someone above me. Um, that I had to run things by. So it was nice that they gave me that freedom and everyone sort of like trusted me in this process. Um, but then you only have yourself to depend on as well. But then you only have yourself. 
what helps for me personally is I have a couple writer friends that I, you know, have been in rooms with or, you know, just know from different mm-hmm. ways, different walks of life, and I trust them. And before I show anyone anything, I show them and mm-hmm. I say, is this shit? <laughs> Tell you, me if this is shit. Because do you show them the version that you think is the best version or is it the version where you're almost there? I show them pretty much my first draft. Okay. Um... Or even like a story area or mm-hmm. an outline. Just to say, is there... Just is to this, say, is this story working? Because yeah. if the story's not working, there's no reason to go forward. That makes sense. Um, and so, you know, one or two of my friends will say, yeah, this is working, but I would change this or that. So then I go back in and I change it and you know, then have something better. Mm-hmm. So by the time I'm showing my producers and my studio and my network, I already kind of showed my friends and other writers and like had this like mini writer's room like with individual people where I was going through my script with people and so so then it's not complete shit you know when you're turning it in (laughs) and I think that's my secret you know I've learned over the years like doing trying to do everything by yourself there's just you're not gonna succeed as much as leaning on other people other writers who are smarter better than you you know that's what I've learned yeah yeah and there's also something to the kind of feedback you're looking for, right? Like, yeah, I think writers are given stuff all the time to give notes on, and yeah. you know when someone wants note the note that is yes, keep going, mm-hmm. or when someone wants real notes, <laughs> yeah. And and just because everybody says it's good doesn't mean yeah. you still won't get the most insane notes ever. I mean, <laughs> oh, yeah. because the thing is, everybody wants something different. I mean, it, you could be writing what you feel is a very strong ensemble piece. Mm-hmm. And they're like, no, we need a main character. Mm-hmm. Otherwise, what are we going to do? We'll have no one to root for specifically. And, and you get all of these uh, notes on top of notes that then end up confusing you and, and diluting the material. And... You want to pull your hair out, but um, at the same time, you have to think about who's paying you if they yeah. are, um, and just kind of do whatever they ask. Well, I, I want to yeah, ask that's about the balance. that. Yeah, I want to ask about that for all of you. Is like, how how do you take notes? What kind of notes have you been given um, on the various shows you've worked on? I mean, you know, well, for me, it's it's I'm writing. You know, we're sitting in a room, and um, like at Oliver. You know, the two of us are writing the same uh, draft mm-hmm. and then we hand it in and they go, all right, we like this from this one. We like this from this one. We like the OK, go and merge it. That's insane. And uh, <laughs> every week, every week. And so uh, and then we go put it back together and, and turn it into them. And then we would get it back and they'd be like, great. Uh, but not this joke, not this joke, not this joke. And there was just this, we would sit in a room and I think just about every late night show does this um, and just sort of gang on the jokes. Mm -hmm. And, you know, like at Jim Jeffries, we'd get an email, oh, there are a few, you know, gang jokes we need you guys to work on. (laughs) John Oliver, we would would just come in on, our week was Wednesday through uh, Sunday and we would come in on a Saturday, it started with an email like that. Hey guys, gather and get, get, why don't you get in one of your offices and you know, and then it just became like Saturday and Sunday. That's what we're doing. Yeah. And then mm-hmm. it became Friday, Saturday <laughs> and Sunday. That's what we're doing. And we tape on Sunday. So yeah. it would be like, but like Saturday was the day that we just came in. It was like jury duty. It was, <laughs> we were locked in this room. The oh. writer's room was windowless. Mm-hmm. And so we were just sort of trapped in there and all day. And we would have Oof. as many as 18 jokes and you just had to go down the line and pitch joke options right. for the for the, for the the clip. Which, by the way, very depressing. If you've right. ever watched the show, they get into some shit on this. So, you know, you're you're writing stuff about people who have like, you know, it's a, the whole piece of foreclosure. So all these people who have lost their home, you know, or all kinds of the Ferguson piece. That was a, you know, I mean, you, you, God damn, you know, so you're just but you got to find a joke for this. Wow. And so and it's your you're in the room looking at your piece mm-hmm. that's like, oh, this wasn't originally what I put together but you kind of have to just let it go and, sure. and um 
deal with the insanity of being in that room with you know eight or nine of your coworkers just trying to, yeah just trying to get through the day like we have to get out of here by 6 30 you know <laughs> before it's dark yeah yeah so i mean that um, was you know and i would imagine it's the on something like that where it is sort of the same format every week uh, mm-hmm. which a lot of these these sort of uh uh shows are yeah. the same format every week. You know what you're getting into. And at a certain point, yes. you do learn to let go and sort of be part of the system. Yeah. It's just, you just better flow with it yeah. or it's not going to work out for you yeah. and you're going to drive yourself insane. But it's, yeah, it's very structured. The only thing is that with every show, you go, it's different and it's very sure. easy, um, at least from the, the late night perspective to get sort of locked in like, well, they do it this way over here. Mm-hmm. Why are they doing it over this? Seems crazy. Now they're doing it. Over, you know, <laughs> right. and so it's, it's changed, you know, it changes little by little with every show you yeah. get, as you know, all these shows do, but mm-hmm. yeah. Um, tell me about notes on you. You were on Riverdale last year and, and, uh, and this, this year. year. Yeah. Um, I, do that, does like that's people love that show. It's a powerhouse show mm-hmm. for the network. Do, do you get notes from the network? A lot. We, we get studio notes. We get yeah. network notes. We get, uh, production notes. Obviously the thing I never understand is why, why don't we get, the production notes first because half the script ends up sure. being cut. <laughs> of course. Yeah. And and that would save so much work. You mean you you're doing like so many sets of notes before you even get to the point Do you where tell, just for people who don't know what production production notes mean. Sure, it's it's basically this is completely unaffordable and you right. need to <laughs> cut, you know, all the action right. or the practical mm-hmm, stuff. Mm-hmm. Exactly. Or, you know, an actor's not available right. because they, you know, have some sort of publicity tour or whatever it is. Um, it would be helpful <laughs> to do that round of notes first. And I, I don't know why. No, it's it's always been the opposite way on, on every show I've been on. <laughs> um, but I I find on, on network TV, the, the thing, the note that constantly comes up is, they want more information. They want you to be more explicit. And I get frustrated because it feels so expository. At the same time, I understand where they're coming from because mm-hmm. there's so many episodes and hmm. because, you know, people are watching, you know, between doing other things or or even like their the commercial is playing and yeah. 30, sex in, 30 seconds into the commercial, uh, right. they've missed part of it. So <laughs> it's like to keep reiterating yeah. stuff. I, I understand why they want to give those notes. It's also one like CW shows are one of the few shows where people still watch week to week. Yeah. Yeah. You know, yeah. they don't necessarily wait and then binge it mm-hmm. or get it all at once like that. So yeah. it does make sense, but mm-hmm. it also has to be a difficult uh, balance. Yes, it, it definitely does. Um, and, you know, on HBO, we hardly got any notes. So yeah. it was mm-hmm. really very, very yeah. lucky. Um, very small if we ever did get any. Uh, that being said, uh, we we always uh, tabled the scripts and um, had read-throughs and then would table them again. Mm-hmm. And the, the writers giving notes on the script uh, was tremendously helpful right. because just hearing, you know, sure. the actors say everything thing out loud you're, you're you're like oh this joke isn't landing or you know this this nobody understands what they're saying here yeah. um that makes a lot yeah. of sense yeah. oh, let me just check back in with you yeah. for a second kevin but well, that was your experience on last week tonight also that hbo didn't have a lot of notes nothing is it, it different was, on jeffrey's <laughs> oh my god yeah i mean they would they were if we said look we're gonna burn the entire studio to the ground <laughs> HBO was like uh, yeah they must know what they're doing and they would let us do it which I think shows in the show like it feels like yeah. Oliver and the writers are getting to make the show they want to well, make they, they're not we have no there are no commercials. We have no advertisers. Yeah. We have to work. Whereas at Jeffrey's, yeah, it's the exact, it's just the way it is, you know? And Absolutely. so we, there are, yeah, there are cases of like, okay, we can't afford this. Or like you said, we can't get, the, I don't know. I wrote this piece once for some reason I fixated on Skeet Ulrich and I just got <laughs> these recurring Skeet Ulrich jokes and then Skeet Ulrich shows up and like the head writer got this was like, Okay, uh, I mean, we'll reach out to Skeet, but buddy, I don't got, you know, but I was, I was just like, once I was halfway through, I was like, I'm Skeet all the way. But, but like, you know, I wrote this piece, we do these desk pieces at Jim Jeffries, mm-hmm. and I wrote a piece for myself where I was talking about like racist advertising. And I cited all these, you know, these companies, you know, Nivea had this, and this person had this, and, and there was a Heineken, all this shit. And, 
they they brought it back to me. They're like, we can't. Um, these are all our advertisers. So uh, sorry, oh buddy. God. You can't do that piece. I was like, all right, what do um, you do with it? Do you throw away the piece? Yeah, I just toss it. Yeah. I mean, I, it, recently I went and looked back at it. Like, I wonder if I could use any of this for sure. like stand up or, or whatever. But uh, yeah, that that piece never saw yeah. the light of day. Which is also you part know. of it. I mean, sure. like on any on any show, like you're just churning through material, and yeah. if it doesn't go, it doesn't go, and you have to move on. Oh yeah, you have to just you let can't that hold on to it. And yeah. and yeah. like I remember hearing. Oh, cut that out. <laughs> uh, I want to ask about. <laughs> I don't want to get into it. Um, I want to ask about these pilots and getting notes on pilots yeah. and like what they're paying for is mm-hmm. a thing you pitched, which is your vision. Yeah. Um, but then you're getting a bunch of notes, whether it's from studio network or collaborators on it. Mm-hmm. And, you know, again, knowing what notes to take and what notes to ignore because it doesn't serve the show you want to make. This is something I think that comes with experience. You know, you start off, you sell your first pilot, your second pilot, you're taking every single note they give you and it's the biggest mistake in the world, but also you have to do it because you don't want to be that difficult young writer who's sold their first show and is an asshole (laughs) and never works again. So that's something I was balancing when I sold my pilot to CBS. I think I wrote four or five different pilots that year five different versions of that show Um, and And were they wildly different at least to your way of thinking yeah they were they were pretty different and at the end of the process I looked at all of them and I was like I think the best one's the first one and it's just become I don't even know what it's become at this point it's become so not me because it was just you know all the studio notes all the network notes producer notes and you know you have to you have to learn when to say no and you have to learn how to say no that's a really good point can you can you get into that a little bit so you never do say no if you're doing it right (laughs) you don't say the word no but you explain why you so strongly believe that your version is the right version and you can even say like i do try it i do say okay i hear what you're saying let me go write this let Mm -hmm. me go see if this works and then I'll go back to them and I'll say listen I tried it it wasn't working here's why um, it just felt fake it felt uh, you know whatever the reason is it felt forced so then they're like alright well try something else because obviously something is not working for them and that I care about I, I hear that note and I want to address that note right. so sometimes they pitch ways to address it that aren't right. And it's your job as the writer to figure out the way that is right. Mm -hmm. Um, And so with this most recent pilot I had at NBC, I think I did a really good job of taking their notes and saying, okay, the main character is not coming off as, you know, she's coming off a little unlikable um, in the first couple scenes. And then they're saying, you know, she gets great in the middle and the end and we love where it builds to. So I had to go back and kind of just rework those scenes and make sure we knew exactly who she was um, in the beginning from that first moment. And sometimes, you know, what's interesting about writing a pilot is you don't really figure out your characters and their dynamics until you're in the middle of it. For sure. Mm -hmm. Um, And you don't really know exactly who they are until you get to that last page. And that's why rewriting is so crucial Mm -hmm. because that first draft is always going to be crap. You have to go back and you have to fine tune things. And, you know, like oftentimes I feel like my best scenes are in the end of the pilot because that's when I found the character's voice. Totally. That's when I realized yeah. I know exactly who that girl is now. Yeah. So now I need to go back to those that first act and that second act and fine tune it. Yeah. And I know who she is now so I can do that. Um, so, yeah, that's I think why having multiple drafts are so important. And... Um, just with these with these networks what's so interesting what I found I have you know worked at several of them I sold seven pilots some of them give such different notes than others and the way they give Mm. notes is so different (laughs) and Mm. you know like CBS it was I remember page notes you know it was like this this line on page 12 change it we don't like it NBC (laughs) great note I mean in a nicer way of course Um, I always am like what are they actually saying like just just, you know give me give me the truth give me the dirt just say it how it is I don't care Um, I'm not sensitive but with NBC their notes were very um, just big bigger picture and Mm -hmm. very thoughtful Hmm. um, and more about character which I thought was interesting because 
a lot of the times it's all story, story, story. But what I realized yeah. about this pilot was the story was actually really working, which like rarely happens <laughs> with pilots. Um, this yeah. was one of those rare cases where I went in and I pitched a show about a Jewish deli mm-hmm. and I pitched the A story in like in my pitch, which was this girl comes in and the first day of her job, she has to fire her own grandmother from the deli. And that story made it all the way uh, to the pilot. And that rarely happens. Mm -hmm. Um, And I did explore another story, but my producer was like, no, do the story that you pitched. Everyone laughed out loud at it and just run with it. And it was, I think the first time I like pitched this a story and it just stuck. It was the exact story that I ended up writing right. and it was working. And so then coming up with sort of like, you know, the what's the act one break? What's the act right. two break? All that stuff was was fun once you know exactly like what, where your story begins and where your story ends. Mm-hmm. Well, and as you said, it probably, you know, the work became about character work. Exactly. It became about finding, you know, the that was the challenge for me for this pilot was who is this girl and what is her big flaw? What's getting in her way? From coming in mm-hmm. at this moment, like what what's her, you know, they, they want to know all about her. And that's what's hard about writing a comedy pilot. You have 22 minutes oh, to tell uh, a full story, to introduce <laughs> at least six characters and all of their dynamics with each other. Yeah. And on top of that, you have to know a character's backstory. Yeah. How do you do that in 22 minutes? It's successfully. And it has you have to be to, yeah. so funny mm-hmm. on top of all of that. <laughs> so it's challenging. Um, and it's not it's not easy at all. But the more you do it, the better you get. Sure, so, absolutely. Yeah. Um, I, we I want to go back to sort of uh, beginnings. But while we are on the topic of writing and rewriting, um, I want to hear about the sort of the nuts and bolts process from all of you. Whether it's you're working on your own stuff or you know you're on script for the show that you're working on. What does your day look like when you're not in the writers' room? When you are actually supposed to be writing. <laughs> I said supposed to. I know how it is. <laughs> um, no, you know, yeah. For me, I have to focus, or I am. Um, who knows where I'll end up? I feel like a, sometimes just a ninety-year-old man with dementia. Like, oh, I, I was sitting at my computer, and now I'm I'm at a bar. What's going on? It's eleven thirty. You know, and and so, um, but I don't know for. For me, it's just, I this is a cliche, but it's sort of sitting down and forcing myself to figure out, all right, what is the, I mean, by the time I start writing, I'm kind of in love with the idea mm-hmm. because I figured it out. And so I yeah, just, so let me interrupt for a sec. Do sure. you, when you, when you've hooked on an idea, mm-hmm. do you sort of let it simmer for an amount of time? Yeah. And what is that amount of time before you can actually get to the breaking point? It just depends on, you know, what's going. I mean, like the this one thing I wrote, I I realized I need something new. And my my agent was like, uh, yeah, buddy, I need let's go. Let, <laughs> I've right been telling away. you for two years. Yeah. And so because while I'm working, I it's just yeah. it was very hard to step away. And, you know, and so um, it was like a gun went off. Uh, <laughs> and and so I took an old thing that was like a feature idea that was like a, a sort of a supernatural thriller and I was like could this be funny and then I sort of twisted it around a little bit and I and I sort of let it sit or would talk about it for a couple mm-hmm. of weeks and then I was like okay I know this has to happen and because th- that was the thing I remember sort of soft pitching it to people mm-hmm. in generals mm-hmm. and they were like okay we're intrigued yeah. alright and then that was the you know my agent was like this is the thing they're all excited about mm-hmm. go write this and I was like great and I sat down and I was like I don't know what this story is. I've just been pitching this concept, but yeah. I have nothing. And so, the hooky concept, right? Yeah. Which people are like, oh, that's great. I want to see that. I'm like, ooh. Yeah. Now I have to execute. <laughs> like, well, we better get someone to write it. <laughs> and so I just was like, okay, what has to happen? Well, we know this and this and this thing. And then I just kind of slowly put it all together. Um, it's uh, endless note taking for me mm-hmm. until I'm ready to actually do the work of punching yeah. me in the computer. And but you're even, jotting stuff down for yourself. I'm jotting, of, yeah, and I like to outline, and yeah. then I like to write a more detailed outline. And then sure. even when I'm in the scripting process, I will 
I've started doing this thing where I write it all longhand in really? script form. That's what I did. Hmm. Really? It's a bit of a cheat because you can, you know, they say you just write it. You don't edit as you go. That's, right. you know, but it's a way to like, okay, I wrote that. This is all in the notebook. Now let me go just transcribe mm-hmm. this. And then as I'm transcribing, I'm like, what? Oh, that's ridiculous. And then I'm, you know, so. Yeah. And it you just, could count that as a second draft. I was going <laughs> to, well, you sort of get another step, right? Yeah. There's an intellectualization mm-hmm. when you go to put it into a, a word process. Yeah, exactly. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. I do that a lot. Oh, that's interesting. And then when you are actually writing, mm-hmm. what's your attention span? How much can you sit down and actually get good work done? I mean... <laughs> <laughs> Ten minutes at a time? <laughs> when I'm actually doing the writing, I can... Um, I could bang out a few scenes however long. Because then I just have to step away. I have this thing where I will get over a hump and be like... Whew, that okay we yeah. did it and have, to, and have to walk away and I yep. don't care if I've only been writing for 30 minutes it's yep. like well full day of work done yep. and I you know and but, sitting yeah, on the but couch. you feel like it's a genuine feeling I, I have that yeah. same thing yeah so it's it's I have the the worst attention span <laughs> and um, I have to focus very you know I rented an office around the corner from here uh, for a while because at home I just couldn't yeah I don't know what happened. It was like, it's four now. What happened? I was just, yeah. I didn't have any plans today, you know. <laughs> so you found tricks to focus yourself. Yeah. 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 Okay. Um, tell us about it. <laughs> <laughs> um, well, when I'm approaching something of, of my own, that's yeah. the first thing I, I do is, uh, especially if it's like a new genre experience for mm-hmm. me, I'll watch the best of that mm-hmm. genre. Mm-hmm. And that'll at least show me, you know, where where the bar is and what are the, the points I'm really looking to hit for that genre. Um, and I then like to write down moments that I want to see. Um, I'm, I'm really good at coming up with uh, really big moments and working backwards and forwards into them just to make them work. So again, this is just sort of idea gathering and you're sure. jotting stuff down. Yes. Okay. Uh, that's that's easy for me. Um, outlining is very hard work. That's like mm-hmm. the, the biggest heavy lifting and Damn. the backstories and all that stuff. But yeah. the first draft is usually the fastest part mm-hmm. for me. Um, I know there's like an app now where apparently you can, um, if you stop to reread your work, it'll start deleting what you've already oh written. God. What? And, and, yeah, what? and the whole point of it's this like is so that you just keep going. <laughs> That's crazy. It sounds like torture, right. but but it makes you move forward. It makes you Which move seems forward. Cruel. Wait, okay. I mean, it deletes <laughs> as you're. If you stop for any certain amount of time, it'll start deleting what you've written. <laughs> that's <laughs> so insane. it doesn't let you think. Yeah, I wish right. I remember the well, name of this. It's to get that sort of you yeah, know, vomit out. Yeah. Psychopath right. created that. Seriously. <laughs> was it John August? <laughs> <laughs> um, but I, I, I keep that in mind just as like a pretend that is happening. That's really it, it's it's good not to look back until you're you're yeah. done. Yeah. Have um, something to work exactly. with. Exactly. Uh, I get like a good 10 pages a day in. Um, I work until I'm completely burnt out and like mm-hmm. my brain, it feels like it's like a fried egg. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Uh, and what is that like? Is it consecutive hours for you? How do you break it up? I uh, operate on a system of reward and deprivation. Love it. (laughs) (laughs) So I'll say, I'll tell myself, you cannot drink this bottle of water until you finish (laughs) this scene. (laughs) You cannot until you finish this scene. Yeah. Um, And once you walk away, (laughs) like that walking away, you have to get back into it, right? Like there's a re-emerging. And you'll get distracted (sighs) by something. My dog is so adorable and she's also really annoying when I write because she's like what are you doing you're sitting right. there forever um, oh my God. but wow. at the same time it's it's good for me to keep in mind okay I'm going to go walk her now and that forces me to go outside mm-hmm. and take a walk around the block and turning off your brain I feel like is part of the process I was saying on the mm-hmm. podcast before that's like the dog gets more walks when yeah. I'm working mm-hmm. yeah <laughs> because you have yeah. to sort of if if you know, you, if you don't know what the scene is, stepping outside for one second, yeah. which the dog feels like is, you know, a waste. But <laughs> no, I'm I thought concerned. I was getting a walk. No, I had the idea. I have to go back <laughs> in and write it down. I'm just worried for you starving yourself. 
I, I wish I could starve myself. If only I could do that. Um, <laughs> Break for lunch at least. Well, you know, you, you know, I usually have a lot of takeout containers all around me when when oh, I have yeah. my own deadlines. That's set. hilarious. Yeah, yeah. Um, you because really cooking turn can take a long time. And I, I will say also. Cooking gives you a sense, uh, if you cook, if you are someone who cooks, it gives you a sense of completion of something, Mm -hmm. which you should be getting from the writing work. Yeah. And Mm -hmm. that like... Well, and and that's a really interesting point to bring up. I don't know about you guys, but I never feel like I'm done. Like mm-hmm. there, there is yeah. no the end because there's mm-hmm. always like, I could go back and, and read a script I wrote 10 years ago yeah. and find things that I want to change now and, and be humiliated. Like, how did I send this <laughs> out the way that it looks, yeah. you know, because you change moment by moment, um, right. which is why writing can be such a time suck. I mean, you, you, you could, you could spend your entire life, writing the same thing because it's yeah. eventually someone has to tell you that right. you're done or, or that you have to work right. on something There's else. There's a deadline or mm-hmm. something. I think that's an important point, yeah. which, you know, comes up once in a while that like mm-hmm. at a certain point you have to give it away. Yeah. yeah. It has mm-hmm. to go out into the world. Otherwise you're not doing it. Yeah. You know, you, you can't work something to death. Um, yeah. I once, um, I was up for a show uh, to get staffed on a show, and this I had this one-act play, and my agents were sending it around as a sample, and this, this showrunner, I won't say his name, he read my play, and he called me. This is before I had ever gotten staffed on anything. And he asked my agents if he could have my number, and he called me directly. He's like, listen— I'm not going to hire you. And I was like, oh, okay. <laughs> Thanks. Um, I was like in Catalina with my family, like on vacation. I'm like, thank you for ruining my vacation. I guess I'll go back to the beach and just be bummed. Um, but he was like, here's the thing. You have never been staffed before. <clears throat> this is a first season show. I'm nervous about just hiring anyone who hasn't been hmm. in a writer's room. But know that your writing is amazing. And I loved your play. It's incredible. The, the thing is, I don't think you're done with it. And I was like, what do you mean you don't think I'm done with it? He's like, I think you can just like revise and even make it better. Mm. And I was like, oh, interesting. Okay. And then he like proceeds to tell me how I can make it better. And I was like, okay, (laughs) I just, you know, I thought my sample was done, but I guess not. But this goes to your point that you're never quite done and you can always make it better. Yeah. I'm revising something right now that a has been taking me way too long to just sit down and do. I'm like, I already wrote this. Why is this so hard now to just focus on it? But also it's that thing where, I mean, like I kind of had to bang it out in a, you know, a relatively short amount of time. And, but when it was done, I was very proud of it, Mm -hmm. very happy with it. I thought it was funny. I, you know, and then I sent it out to do what it was supposed to do. And then having to look at it now to rework it, I'm like, what the hell was I, was I drunk? Like, why would I, (laughs) who let me do this? Like, you know, I mean, it does go to the, the value of, like you said, you know, uh, showing your stuff to to friends, like mm-hmm. people you really trust, because if you and I think you really kind of have to find that that mm-hmm. you have to have a consistent like group of people. Like I got, I need you guys to check this out mm-hmm. because otherwise you don't know who you can trust always or who mm-hmm. has the time or you know whatever. Oh. And so well, and getting different opinions on a thing yeah. is helpful too. Like mm-hmm. if, right, if there's a note that keeps coming up that's worth looking at, yeah, yeah. you know, or yeah. even you know a non-specific sort of area to look at mm-hmm. that's really helpful yeah. um we do have to start to wrap up but i didn't get to uh some more sort of nuts and bolts origin stuff which i'm curious about um uh we had talked about your breaking in uh christine but did you get your agent once you were hired on uh boardwalk so i i made a lot of mistakes and <laughs> one of them <laughs> this might be a two-parter i mean i actually i felt like oh well i got my own job so what do i need an agent hmm. for um <laughs> cool. and i somebody ended up calling me then and asking if they could be my agent right. I, I didn't even meet them and just over the phone i was like yeah sure why not um, <laughs> and, and it, because i just i had no awareness sure. and of you this. have a job yeah, yeah exactly an agency well <laughs> or was it like a random yes, random oh, yeah. no. i mean no okay. not random but kind of random yeah. <laughs> yeah. uh and you know the, the he didn't give me very good advice like 
I think to be a writer, you you could be anywhere, but to be a TV writer specifically at this time, it's very hard to live in New York. Yeah. And mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I was so stubborn about moving. I just didn't mm-hmm. want to leave New York. Um, and that was really bad advice. Um, yeah. And, and he just kept trying to make it work out there. Um, and, you know, the, now I'm at WME and I'm very, I'm very happy. But uh, how long did it take you to find those new agents? It, like, it like five years. Really? Yeah. Of, of a lot of struggle. Interesting. Yeah. Because even it's just you have to make sense to people mm-hmm. um, because they are taking a risk. You know, as Lauren said, it's like we're afraid to hire someone on a season one show. Mm-hmm. Um, how do you alleviate some of that fear? Yeah. Mm-hmm. And a lot of it is like seeing a brand that makes mm-hmm. sense. So with my my credit being, uh, you know, a period gangster drama, um, they saw my samples, which were all dark comedies that and they were all contemporary dark comedies. It made no sense whatsoever. Yeah. And it was really hard um, to be put up for different staffing jobs because literally there were no other period gangster shows at that time um yeah so i i had to i had to approach it in a very different way and it took me a long time to figure that out interesting there's a lot to unpack there we'll have to have you back Uh, (laughs) uh kevin tell me did you start out as a stand-up was that your entry to writing or were you writing already i well i mean i was always writing i you know i was someone who loved telling stories i was not a big like i wasn't like a uh joke teller in terms of Mm -hmm. like you know late night monologue jokes that type of thing um but yeah so i started like stand-up was the horse i sort of rode in on and um you know w come out bell and i we came up together in san francisco and we started writing together first just stand-up but then we were like let's just start writing Mm -hmm. just bang out some scripts Mm -hmm. and so i we knew each other's sensibilities very well and when he sold his show he just was like hey come on board and then life has this weird way of overcorrecting really quickly (laughs) and i this was my first staffing job and things weren't working out with the other uh head writer and so the next thing i know i was getting a phone call like hey what do you think of (laughs) i mean he was like would you want to be the head writer and i was like no (laughs) i'd be crazy to pass it up and so i took the opportunity and and again it's his voice and you know that voice like you know the sensibility of the show yeah right and so and it's different on every show and so you can kind of figure out how to make it work and and be learning at the same time is head writing on a late night show or a, a you know show like that is it akin to the showrunner position, which is much, it feels to me as much more like being a CEO of a billion dollar industry. <laughs> yeah. I mean, that to me is what the, the showrunner, the yeah. CEO type of thing. And so it depends on, you know, from show to show, like on totally biased, there was a showrunner and there was the head writer oh, okay. on so uh, the sh- and the showrunner sort of handles a lot of the practical like production. Yeah. Stuff. Yeah. That's but great. then uh, it, same thing on, on Jim Jeffries, but on Oliver, yeah. you know, Carvel was the showrunner right. and just sort of the de facto yeah. head writer. And but he so also we, had a background in that. Yeah, so exactly. So it sort of changes, you know, new Negroes, I was a head writer and we had another, you know, a showrunner. And so, and he handled the more nuts and bolts, like dealing with the network and a lot of other production stuff where I was just like, give me these scripts. And, yeah. You know, that makes sense. Yeah. That makes a lot of sense. Um, and then, uh, again, did the, let's just talk agents for a second. Mm-hmm. Did representation come from that first job where you repped as a stand up before that? No, I had a weird thing where I had this, I had a manager um, through my standup mm-hmm. and she had been, you know, sometimes they're just doing stuff and they're not really telling you or you're not, you know, and I remember she, I, I was going to get comic books one day and she's like, you remember those agents I was telling you I was going to pitch you to? And I, and I was like, I get, yeah, sure. It's Wednesday. It's comic book day. And she, <laughs> I couldn't, I can't believe now looking back, I was oh, this man. like sort of on, you know, but, um, she's like, well, they, I had written and produced a, a short film and I was in it called thugs, the musical at mm-hmm. the time. And she, we hadn't released it, but it was, uh, she showed him the trailer and she's like, they saw the trailer. They want to, they want to sign you. Hmm immediately just based on that. And I was like, yeah, yeah. Oh, okay. That sounds good. And then I went and <laughs> met them. And then I was like, Oh, this is, Oh yeah, this is uh, important. And, uh, and so, yeah, that's, that's it. So I got them right oh before so I went to totally okay. biased. 
right. Hmm. Uh, and are you still with the same agents? Have you moved well, over the years? They've moved to. I'm with the same agents, but they've moved oh, to WME. That's, so, that's a good uh, feeling. I didn't know that. We've never talked. About, all right. Anyway. <laughs> we'll have to save it for off yeah. <laughs> I'm at CAA, so this is awkward. Stumbly. <laughs> hey, uh, Lauren, so you you wrote this this Tumblr, this blog uh, about being an assistant. That I remember at the time, like everyone was talking about this thing. Yeah, 2012. Yeah. Uh, did you know you wanted to write when you were an assistant? I did. So. Okay. In college, I went to UC Berkeley, and in college, I was a journalist. Mm-hmm. Um, so I loved to write, and you know, I always loved writing essays. And kids were like, "What's wrong with you?" Um, so I knew that that's what I wanted to do. And someone at the Daily Californian uh, basically said to me, "Don't go into journalism. Um, there's no money." <laughs> Good advice. And it was fantastic advice. <laughs> and um, so I basically was like, "All right, well, now what? What am I going to do?" And I've always loved TV. I was like that kid that was like going into my friends' DVDs and like listening to the showrunners talk about the process of writing. <laughs> that was more exciting to me than actually watching episodes. Um, and I, that's like sort of where I learned what a writer's room was. Mm-hmm. And I was like, this could be an interesting path. How do I do that? Um, I didn't really, even though I grew up sort of in LA, I grew up in Calabasas. I didn't really have any connections here mm-hmm. um, in the industry. So the only sort of connection I had was my uncle works in real estate and one of his like uh, properties that he rented out to was the Sunset Gower Sunset Bronson Studios Mm -hmm. in Hollywood and so I said to him can you walk around one day and just see if anyone is willing to take on a PA and he's like that is so weird but sure so um, it turned out it turned out that Judge Judy was uh, looking for a PA Um, and so that was like my first industry gig um, which was amazing and she was an incredibly nice woman I have to say like I didn't expect that Um, all she really wanted was Fuji apples and Diet Coke in her fridge very like simple Um, easiest boss I ever had Um, and then the following summer you know like once I had that one credit Mm -hmm. on my resume as an assistant Mm -hmm. um, I was able to get more stuff so I worked on Heroes the following year at NBC Mm -hmm. as the intern Mm -hmm. Um, and I got to one day sit in the writer's room there and see what it was all about and that's when it kind of clicked with me and I was like oh my god like this is this is what I want to do with my life you know I just I had that aha moment Mm -hmm. and then it became how do I how do I get there? Um, so I applied to the CAA internship program when I was in college, and mm. I got that. So I was an intern between my junior and senior year during that summer. Um, and I went back to CAA after I graduated from college and got on a TV lit desk mm-hmm. um, for the, working for this guy named Grant Kessman, who's still there, and who's now one of my agents, um, which is cool. That's great, yeah. Uh, and yeah, so I was at CAA, and I was reading... Um, like you were saying you had all these scripts that were coming in that you mm-hmm. got to read it was the same for me working at CAA you're you're in the middle of Hollywood you have access to any script you want and I wanted to take advantage of that so I would go home at night after drinks and just read 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 everything I could um and reading all this kind of gave me the confidence hey I should try to write my own script you know because if someone at some point is like hey I want to hire you you have to have a spec you have to have some sort of script Mm -hmm. so um, I wrote a modern family spec which I still can't believe it's on the air amazing (laughs) Um, and then I wrote my first original pilot because that was sort of when people were more into original pilots so um, it's good that you wrote a spec though and and I Mm -hmm. I sort of bang this drum on the podcast a lot yeah. is there's so much to be learned from yes. taking apart an existing show and then I mean this mm-hmm. is basically yeah, what you did for your board parrot, basically yeah. Yeah. Like, yeah. which is the job yes mm-hmm. um, anyway yeah so um, <clears throat> I then start uh, you know Tumblr's kind of big at the time and there are all these gifts going around the internet and I was like wow I think I should start one for Hollywood assistance because our lives are so terrible and crazy (laughs) and ridiculous and people are always asking me what do you do at your job like people outside the industry and I'm like I can't even begin to explain to you what I do and this was a great way to sort of explain to people what I did but also wait uh, you created that 
Yeah. Oh my god! Christine, where have you been? <laughs> it didn't occur to me that I like used to be sent links mm-hmm. and stuff. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Wow. Yeah. 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 Here that. we are yeah, at this table with these microphones now. How all did you? We can get a selfie after. Guys, Christine walked out of the room and just came back. When she's not on my. She's not here. That was you. What a great idea. Oh, thank you. It was more just therapy for me, you know, because I didn't have time or money to go to actual therapy so I was like I'm going to take to the internet and work out my problems there well it was and a natural sort of fun creative outlet for exactly. you exactly and I knew I had to remain anonymous because mm-hmm. I was an assistant at CAA <laughs> and they kept hammering in how you just have to be very careful and you know yeah. you or else you'll get fired and confidentiality is everything at CAA so I, I wasn't really doing anything wrong but I also knew I wasn't doing anything right <laughs> so um, I, I sort of kept it anonymous and by being anonymous I think it yeah. got bigger and bigger. And if people in Hollywood love anything, it's like not knowing information, right? Sure. And they obsess <laughs> about it because everyone <laughs> wants to know everything. So I would be at drinks at night after work and people would say, have you seen this Hollywood assistance <laughs> Tumblr? And I'm like, yeah, yeah, it's funny. And they're like, oh, my God, it's so funny. And I heard it's like four guys at WME who started it. I'm oh like, I don't God. think so. <laughs> And yeah, just like these rumors going around about who was behind it. And I did, I did anonymous. Yeah. <laughs> I felt like Gossip Girl, you know, like yeah. that's what it was like. Her, her friends and family. I hope that's it's sure. My mom, by the way, them. was yelling at <laughs> me because amazing. she's a Jewish mother and she was just like, you're going to get fired. You're never going to work in this industry again. Like she made me cry. And I was just like, mom, I think it's okay. And you know, that, oh now she's God. very supportive and she's so glad I did it. But <laughs> that's um, wild. Yeah. That's, when, when did you come out? I came out. Um, so I did this interview anonymously because I had this Gmail on the website, like Hollywood Assistance Blog right. at gmail.com. So they said to me, what will it take for you to like come out and reveal who you are? And I basically said, if I sell a show, I will come out. <laughs> and great. so at the time, um, I had this script that I wrote. And um, this is just sort of all on the side. Uh, I had There was this girl who was an assistant with me at CAA. Her name is Jackie Katz, also one of my agents now. <laughs> um, she wanted to be an agent. And she knew it. I wanted to be a writer, and I knew it. <clears throat> we bonded in the bathroom one day about it. And she was like, if you write anything, Thing, send it my way. So I sent her my script when I was done with it. She said, I love this. And next thing I know, she's coming up to me two weeks later saying, I have a meeting with Fred Savage. Wow. She is. She was like that assistant That's that was awesome. just a hustler. And yeah. she went to her boss apparently and asked if she could slip my sample into the submission to Fred who had a deal at CBS at the time and was looking for new scripts and new writers to mm. develop with. So Fred took a meeting with me. This was my first Hollywood meeting. And it was amazing. We sat there for two and a half hours, just going back and forth. And he was like, listen, I'd, I'd love to do something with you. And you know, I had this Hollywood assistance thing on the side. So it ended up all kind of working out. And CBS was very interested in it. And we sort of went to the studio and I revealed who I was. Um, and they kind of freaked out and were like, <laughs> let's do this. And they offered me a blind script deal. That's wild. Um, and that's like how wow. I got started. Damn, and it was all because wild. of that blog. And, you know, at the time, Tumblr, you know, the, the year before Twitter was really big and mm-hmm. shit my dad says sold and mm-hmm. all that I'm stuff. Sure. Um, so I was like, what's, I guess Tumblr's like the next. Twitter, mm-hmm. you know, so and then it went away. And then <laughs> yeah. Tumblr doesn't exist right after you yeah. anymore. I killed Somewhere. it. I killed Tumblr. <laughs> Good job. Yeah, uh, MySpace is that's back, crazy. Though. Yeah, MySpace is dead. That's where everyone's getting <laughs> deals now. Sure, um, that is wild. Uh, I feel like we could do another hour, but we do need to wrap up, uh, and we'll do so by uh, asking you what you are watching on television these days. What's getting you excited or inspired? What are you talking about with your friends, your loved ones? Um, who wants to say so you all look like you don't want to start so I completely I forgot to do my homework I'll leave it to any of you who want to jump in well I mean I I guess I'll say something live and and now sure because you can say whatever you oh, want all right there, well, I don't grade you on these well I, I, I feel judge like you you, can, you really must like a show if you're watching it you know on a week-to-week yeah, sure. basis so right. and for me right now that those are the the final seasons of uh, Broad City and you're mm-hmm. the worst yes um, they're just answer. they're nice easy before bed and I always look forward to them yeah yeah that's a good answer. Um, what, are, what are the other shows you watch live? That's a good question. I, I don't like, there really. There's so few, right? Yeah, so few. Yeah, like I was watching Not The Good DVR. Place week to week, for sure. Yeah. Um, 
Well, I mean, not necessarily. Oh, but still know, the same on the day, day, but yeah, definitely yeah. No, not waiting till it's over. Yeah. Uh, but that's kind of it. Yeah. Yeah. It's very rare yeah. these days. Uh, Kevin, what else are you watching? I do have a DVR just filled with stuff. <laughs> right. And mm-hmm. it's like, but my tastes run the gamut from like the flat, literally the flash was what I was watching last <laughs> night. Uh, and the, I like all the superhero shows. So mm-hmm. I'm watching all the Marvel shows. I'm watching everything from, you know, Luke Cage and Jessica, all the, all the shows. Um, and then, um, I haven't. I Barry is. I literally looked at a. Li- I have a list of just. I have to watch these shows, oh, me too. and it's yeah. to the point where it's like work. Yeah. Like I just. I can't retain what's happened in because I'm like, all right, I got did the affair. Let's move on to the next thing. <laughs> but so, when you cross one off, it's so satisfying. Yes. It's glorious. You're like, I put in those ten hours. Yeah, and somehow I missed the last season of Orphan Black. It just mm-hmm. came and went, and I was like, oh, I forgot to. Sure. I'm supposed to watch that. So. Yeah. Everything. <laughs> Everything, <laughs> yeah, is what I'm watching. Um, for me, it's more of a random one. I don't know if you guys have heard of this, but it's called I'm Sorry. Uh, it is mm-hmm. one of the best comedies I have ever seen. Andrea Savage yeah. is the star. Um, it is brilliant. I encourage everyone to watch it. Uh, I don't work on it, but it's brilliant. Um, it's on somewhere weird. It's on right? True TV, but True now TV. it's on Netflix, yes. so it's hmm. much yeah, yeah, easier yeah. and uh, it's, it's very I, I basically can describe it as I guess it's curb your enthusiasm but with a mom yeah so hmm. that's she's sort of so like the humor she's so endearing and funny she's like yeah. my girl crush I'm obsessed <laughs> yeah uh, that's a good answer these are all good yeah. answers um, <laughs> <laughs> good job you all uh, thank you so much for being here uh, I would love thank to you. do this again sometime you all yeah. were great thanks so much we'll wait outside thank you <laughs> forever This has been a Forever Dog production. Executive produced by Brett Boehm, Joe Cilio, and Alex Ramsey. For more original podcasts, please visit foreverdogpodcasts.com and subscribe to our shows on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts. Keep up with the latest Forever Dog news by following us on Twitter and Instagram, at Forever Dog Team, and liking our page on Facebook.